0: Hey there, folks. Jordan Sheridan, uh, kind of live. We we're recording this earlier, but uh, semi-live with uh, Steve Grumbine of uh, Real Progressives fame, the co-founder, uh, MMT uh, wizard, uh, and a friend. Uh, Happy New Year, Steve.
1: Happy New Year's to you too, buddy.
0: So um, we're uh, trying to mix in a couple more topics, uh, you know, going forward. Maybe polish up videos. So so the audience knows we might record things earlier and then air it live later. So we're kind of experimenting with a bunch of different things. But I want to touch on uh, several topics today. Obviously, Omicron and COVID is a major thing. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and also, uh, the record number of uh, workers quitting is getting even more of a record uh so we're going to get into that november's numbers in terms of workers quitting in america were uh, even higher than previous months and it made the entire year of 2021 a record uh so definitely we're going to get into that uh but i kind of wanted to start shockingly um the and by the way everybody press that like button, you always hear me say it, but the like button under the video is one of the chief ways we could kind of get around uh, YouTube's uh, suppression. If you haven't noticed status quo with 123,000 subscribers, Uh, our views are kind of low and no one gets notifications. And uh, (laughs) there's a lot of problems with uh, our videos getting visibility. And I know you have that with real progressives too. So one thing you could do for your country uh, therefore status quo is press that like button share and comment too so steve joe Manchin uh came out yesterday um i think he likes attention i'll say that uh but he had a little gaggle of reporters around him and he was asked again uh if he's reconsidering the build back better plan colin uh let's let it rip uh what mansion had to say
2: on BBB and
1: what your conversations have been with White House? There's
3: been no conversations after I made my statement. I think it's basically, you know, and uh, I was very clear. I just, I feel as strongly today as I did then that uh, uh, the unknown with the COVID, here we are, we can't even go out, to, I've got a, a 95 m 95, we all, I, th- I see all of you do. And so there's different uh, concerns that we have right now that we haven't had for a while. So that's a concern inflation still a concern it's still over six percent and the geopolitical unrest that we have and i think the president's been doing a yeoman's job trying to talk to putin and calm things down to let him know where we are so these are all challenges guys and this is all expensive challenges so that's that that's where jake on that we have there's been that conversation
0: Uh, i love the last part that talking to putin costs money uh (laughs) that's that's a new one but you know putting aside for a second that. The Build Back Better plan, if it passed today under, you know, some compromise between Manchester and them is obviously completely insufficient. To me, it's a joke. Uh, if, I was, if I was a progressive in the Senate or the House, I wouldn't vote for it personally. Uh, but putting that aside, I wanted to ask you, he's now using the coronavirus, the latest coronavirus outbreak. I mean, it's valid. Uh, yesterday, according to John Hopkins, a million cases, which is a record in America. He's using that as an excuse why we can't spend money. He's using inflation as an excuse why we can't spend money, and now something, something Putin. Uh, Let's start with the coronavirus. Uh, Is the Omicron surge a reason that we cannot expand Medicare to vision, hearing, dental, that we can't have universal pre-K, that we can't have uh, increased uh, elderly care, that we can't have actual climate proposals? Uh, what do you say to that?
1: Well, as far as the healthcare side goes, we have been woefully, woefully unprepared in training up a breed of nurses, doctors, friggin' orderlies, uh, hospital. We we've not staffed, we have not planned for a world that would require or would even have available the real resources to address the needs of society. So there is some reason to believe that without a nice transition to where we would have those resources. I mean, you see right now, the hospital, I mean, now part of this could be gouging. Part of this could be savvy business administrators trying to get COVID dollars that are available. But you look at Hogan in Maryland right now, and they've just declared Maryland a state of emergency. We're hearing six-hour waits just to get tested in the hospitals for, for COVID we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of delays built in now that could be artificial, but from what I'm seeing, we have been in lockdown, basically, even though we're opening up, we have been in this now for two years, we're coming up on two years in the next couple months. And in that two years, you have seen a lot of burnout, a lot of absolute depression and complete and utter fatigue in our healthcare workers. And there's a tremendous amount of, I don't give a fuck, by a large segment of the population that is just focused on they don't want to be in lockdown. And I appreciate, actually, I understand not wanting to be in lockdown. But I also know now people walk by you in the hallway and Omicron can be right up in your snout and you're affected. it's, It's that contagious right now. And we're still sending our kids to school every day. So the more we mix, the more we're in close proximity with one another, the more the hospitals are going to be filled, and the less those natural resources or the real resources, the the human resources will be available. So to Manchin's point, if we don't have resources, there's going to be rationing, or there's going to be huge amounts of wait and delay. And there could be cost increases, etc. That's that's a separate thing than this inflation bug that he's pointing to right now. That inflation bug is a direct result of two things. One of them is a normal supply chain thing that you know is still uh, a, an issue, but the other one is a more serious one, and that is gouging. You know, the Saudis, the price, the fuel—that is all gouging. That is not a matter of oh my God, it suddenly became so much more expensive to refine oil. No, that's not it at all. They know they got us over a barrel, so to speak. This is not some God-breathed thing. This is absolutely somebody saying, let me break out my red marker, scratch the price there, and put up here a new price that raises it up. That's all it is. There's nothing about that that says we got to do that. And with so many people quitting the workplace, Okay, I mean, a lot of businesses don't have the real research, the human resources to continue to function in a way that would allow them to do it in in an efficient way, in a predictable way, in a good way. And so, yeah, you're seeing some inflation. This is a very real thing. I mean, you know, he's he's pointing to something real, but he's not pointing to the cause. He's pointing to something real and saying this real thing. Is directly tied to this other real thing, and they're not tied together.
2: So well, to this real point, thing,
0: I mean, this real thing is, these companies are no- knowingly price gouging, using, infla- using inflation as the excuse. They don't have to be charging what they're charging, and they are hitting. I mean, in some cases, record profits, citing, well, we got to do this because inflation. But I mean, there's plenty of reporting out there that they're not just passing off costs That's to customers; right. they are price gouging you're damn right.
1: They are. And that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, the, 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 this is what always happens. This is what happens with the Alex Jones world back in the day, he would say something so inflammatory, but then he would point to something legitimate, something that was, it's true, but the causation is not the same thing as the correlation, right? The correlation that yes, these two things are happening doesn't mean that they're tied together it's like taxes and spending right they don't they are not tied together and so but they use that as hey we don't have any money or hey there's inflation or whatever the average person sadly doesn't know any better jordan and that's where this problem really kicks in guy like joe manchin has clout because jane and joe public don't know any better right And, and and he can say this stuff with impunity because the media carries that water for him too and then the business leaders come onto the talking head shows that everyone plugs into and they repeat it too so it doesn't matter if it's real it only matters that people believe it's real and that's what's happening
0: the other thing that i find crazy and obviously it's not just mansion there's a lot of democrats who have his ideology but they're just mansion is kind of taking the arrows on it but What's infuriating about him is he's trying to link. No, we cannot, we cannot have these, we cannot spend whatever $1.8 trillion, which, as I said, to me is a band aid to a gunshot wound. Even the climate provisions, which we've gone over, they say 400, 500 billion. But if you actually look at it, it's all tax incentives and neoliberal kind of nothing with teeth to actually force uh, fossil fuel companies, energy companies to radically shift now. To wind, renewable, that kind of thing. But putting that aside, he makes it seem like, no, no, we can't spend money now on these programs because of COVID and uh, inflation and, you know, Putin and the mailman. But, well, how is Europe, which is not as wealthy as us, uh, how is it that people could walk into stores right now and they could buy tests and find, find COVID tests at, you know, a buck or whatever, one euro, one pound? Uh, that's what i'm reading online i spoke with someone in europe you know it it, there's less tests now but you could still find them uh why is it that these countries have poured the kitchen sink testing um at-home tests social distancing giving uh, more access to n95 and kn95 masks and they also have universal health care and they also have a social welfare and they're not as wealthy as us so to me, it's all smoke and mirrors. He's trying to make this false choice where, yeah, we can't really focus on – we can't really spend a ton of money now because we need to f- spend our money on COVID and getting inflation down.
1: Let, let's, let's take on one thing here real quick because I don't want to give the false positive here. Europe is as wealthy as Europe wants to be, even though Europe is not a state per se. Europe is as wealthy as it wants to be. It's got the European Central Bank. It can – If money is your measure of wealth, and money is not a measure of wealth, because just like in the US, we print in digital US dollars, they print and create digital euros. It's the same thing in Europe. The difference is, is that they have a European central bank that is not tied to any one nation. Whereas in the United States, we've got the Fed. But the Fed acts on Congress's behest. The Bank of England acts on, you know, England's needs as the government prescribes. And in Europe, because, you know, you, England stayed with the, the British pound, the pound sterling, whereas the rest of them adopted the euro as their primary unit of account. And so it's not a matter of wealth. It's a matter of political will. It's a matter of desire. And it's a matter of believing that it's possible. And the US, we, we are the we are the world's neoliberal project. Many of the oligarchs planted seeds in the U.S. to watch it grow, to become the the factory of the world, so to speak, or the, the finance capital of the world in this case, right? And, and ultimately, you get what you get with that. And I think it's important to realize that while we have wealth, the wealth that we have is really found in our ingenuity, in our natural resources, in our access to the ability to... Um, manufacture and, and so forth and, and be self-sufficient. Okay. Right. But we don't make a lot of things in this country anymore. And the rest of the world is carrying our weight as they're being the ones that create these things for us to purchase with our little pieces of paper. And as the scarcity of their availability and, and, and so forth picks up, it's costs rise in their countries. You know, they, they they're not going to be as willing to be our maids and servants creating these products for us. So this is one of those catch 22s, I think, in understanding wealth. How do they do it? Ultimately, each nation state is sort of slave to the rules of the European Union. And so they're able to do things based on their collective negotiating, if you will. United States, they know that we can afford. So by extension, we sort of are subsidizing the wealth of the rich people that are stealing from us with these vaccines and with the COVID uh, cost, the cost of the whole thing, the United States is by definition subsidizing that at some level, but we're also relying on them to create our products and services abroad. So it's, it's a, it's catch 22. I just want to make sure that we're not defining wealth as money, as so much as access to the ability to provision real resources.
0: And also, the quick, quickly, the difference also between us and Europe and other countries. Yeah, there's corruption everywhere. Uh, no other country that I'm aware of has the donors have such a stranglehold over the entire political system. That's why I call it the United Corporations of America, uh, Europe, other countries. I mean, yeah, there's there's people, you know, wealthy business owners, this and that, who have influence. They don't literally buy the government the way it's bought here, which is a kind of important difference. I want to play one more mansion clip. Uh, cause this one, let's just play it.
3: tax Are you a hard no on ensuring that, supporting the child tax credit is still there as I'm understanding. Basically, yeah, sorry, are you a hard no on ensuring that families with no income tax obligations get the expanded credit? Are you a hard no on that, Senator Manchin? Uh, I've been basically very clear on that. I think there should be a work requirement and that means you file a 1099. So a 1099, if you're going to call it a credit, you have to see if you have a liability or not. The only way the IRS would know that is you file 1099. So I've been very, I think, very direct on that.
0: I wanted to, uh, first of all, we, you know, the media only reports on the child tax credit. Oh, what a great thing. They don't really care to dive into why the hell are, why do we have such child poverty? I mean, that's the deeper problem, would you say? Maybe instead of a child tax credit, which is a neoliberal, I mean, it's 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 good, it's helpful, but maybe we should try and, you know, structurally change things. Causes? And- yeah, uh, address the root causes why we need to cut poverty in half. Why is it so why do we have such poverty? But putting that aside, I found it really grand him talking about, you know, 1099s and requirements, this and that. Uh, it just came out recently, uh, Colin, if you have it. Uh, Mr. Manchin, his brother, just sued Joe Manchin for over one point seven million dollars for not paying back loans. U.S. Senator Joe Manchin's brother has sued Senator Manchin and another brother, for over $1.7 million that allegedly was loaned to keep a family business afloat decades ago. Uh, According to the lawsuit, Joe and Roach Manchin requested the money in the 1980s from their brother brother in response to Manchin Carpet Center's distressed financial condition. John Manchin loaned them more than 1.7 million, all of which was provided to the business's primary creditor, Community Bank, And trust, according to the uh, lawsuit, Joe and Roach Manchin promised to repay the brother on repeated occasions, most recently in July 2012, according to the lawsuit. So uh, Mr. Manchin wants to lecture, uh, you know, parents and uh, others on uh, work requirements. Yet, according to a lawsuit, he owes nearly $2 million to his own blood. (laughs) I mean, the guy is a, a grade a scumbag.
1: I mean, but I I don't know. I mean, that's like gotcha politics. I mean, yeah, it sucks. And yes, he's a parasite and yes, he's a leech and all the other things that go with that. But the fact is, is that his personal stuff aside, we have people that are literally trying to take care of children. are are without family support they don't have a brother loaning them 1.7 million they don't have anything like that they don't even have somebody that could give them a couch to sleep on in some cases right and they're expected to somehow or another get off their ass and buff my calluses or shine my shoes to earn your child tax credit and get your 1099 i mean this is like this is beyond privilege
0: the like as, it's the economic it hunger games. Ap- it's the economic hunger games.
1: It's squid games, man. It is squid games. Let's go squid because squid is so much more like I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but my God, disaster capitalism special, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. just awful.
0: Well, I also think, you know, we also should mention that his daughter, uh famously, what was it, Mylan? She was the CEO, price gouged EpiPens, uh, saw no jail time. That's a whole nother story. So I, I don't. I. I don't. I'm not picking particularly on Mansion because Mansion is so much more egregious than everybody else in the Democratic and Republican Party. Uh, he's just the one, just out in front, you know, with, with dropping <laughs> yeah. the dropping the shield. So this, it, it's just mind numbing. It's just mind numbing that someone who has had every entitlement, he came from a family uh, political dynasty in West Virginia, apparently gets loans just to, you know, get his business off the ground, whatever, a dry cleaning or car, I don't know, whatever, whatever that was. <laughs> Carpet. Um, his, uh, uh, I, I was in West Virginia reporting last year, apparently his daughter, he kind of bought his daughter a degree. She didn't even finish. Uh, and then his daughter becomes CEO of a pharmaceutical company and just disgustingly is price gouging EpiPens, which people need to survive, uh, diabetics and what have you. And he's lecturing people on work requirements. And by the way, it's not just him. There are other Democrats who are not as loud about it that feel the same way. And Joe Manchin is just taking the arrows. So, you know, this, this, this neoliberal slash right-wing notion that we can't give things for free. Well, should we give work requirements to the Pentagon then? Should we give work requirements to the banks that they bailed out with no issue? To the, the fossil fuel companies that get the subsidies? It's It's... It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It is. It is. I
1: mean, I, I I, wish that we could somehow or another pull away from the gotcha politics, if you will, because what ends up happening is the sword you use to stab them ends up coming back to stab you. Right. And that's what the Democrats always do. Always, by the way, not sometimes, always do when they start talking about deficit reduction and things like that, because the Republicans, they never have that kind of guilt when they're in power. They're always like slashing taxes on the rich and they're always cutting expenses on the poor. And so why we would sit there and allow that to happen is infuriating, but this is their game. And and quite frankly, it's, it's the gotcha politics. They think, ah, look, you know, he's, he's a hypocrite. See, see what he did. And yes, it feels good. But at the same time though, it just perpetuates it when reality is, is that, this is all bullshit. It doesn't have to be that way. And and if we as, you know, progressives and if the Democratic Party ever had any intention of not being the Republican Party of the 70s, then maybe we could get somewhere. But they don't. They, they are the Republicans. And I don't know who the Republicans have become. They become something out of some sort of a horror novel. But they're both in cahoots, they're both literally the, the the difference between what A says and B says is A is so much more palatable compared mm-hmm. to B. B is just awful. So if you choose B, you know it's like the ch- decision between taking your heart out with a spoon or whether cutting your hand off, you're going to cut your hand off. You're not going to cut your heart out with a spoon. So, okay. So now I'm walking around without a hand, but damn it, it felt good because I picked the lesser of two evils and that's what keeps happening. They're not really in any way, shape or form informing one another. They're not actually speaking truth. They're literally playing a game and that game is going to cost
0: lives and
1: it's, it's shameful. It's shameful.
0: Good segue to the next topic. By the way, remember, press that like button. The like button under the video makes a big difference. The more people that press the like button, the more people get to see the video, the more likes. It helps in the algorithm that YouTube has rigged against us. So press that like button, share this video, comments, super chats, welcome, all that good stuff. So um, I want, it's a good segue because apparently, I mean, this is not shocking if you have it, Colin. Uh, Democrats hit the pause on Biden's climate <laughs> social spending package. Uh, so Senate Democrats are putting President Biden's climate and social spending plan on the back burner as they plan to debate voting rights legislation this month and hold a vote on changing the Senate filibuster rule. Democratic aides say the Build Back Better bill won't be ready for floor action anytime soon and predict the wide-ranging legislation that the White House negotiated with centrists, <laughs> mansion and cinema, may have to be completely overhauled. So Uh, I'm going to say something. I hope it's not controversial because we're two white guys. Obviously, I care about voting. I care about voting rights. I've covered a lot of uh, voting issues, election fraud, voter suppression. We know that uh, voting rights is a crisis in this country. We know that the Republicans are basically trying to overhaul voting systems on the local and state level so that you can't vote. Uh, Or it's a lot harder for black people to vote, brown people to vote, even younger people to vote. Uh, So I'm not minimizing that at all. And it is, to me, the issue of, you know, one of the issues of our time. But it kind of seems very transparent what's going on, Steve. Democratic Party, uh, which, frankly, I don't think Biden ever really had the desire or will for a 3.5 trillion package. I think he's letting Manchin take the fall, but doesn't seem like he really wanted to fight for any of this stuff if he did. There's examples Lyndon B. Johnson and others who, you know, use the bully pulpit of the presidency to uh, buckle some knees, you know, uh, f- you know, yep. force uh, force senators uh, into political submission. Uh, Biden doesn't want to do any of that because, frankly, he's a right winger. But putting that aside, it seems to me the Democratic Party uh, is to distract away from not actually doing anything structurally or economically. Uh, they're going to run a campaign basically on voting rights and Republicans evil and trying to bring out the African-American base. I hate to be so crass, but to me, that's what they're doing. That doesn't mean voting rights isn't a real important issue. It absolutely is. Again, to white guys, but seems transparent to me. They're shifting now. Uh, they're, Biden could have fought for uh, Build Back Better. Uh, he's not. And now they're shifting to, you know, Uh, an important issue, but one that lets them off the hook for the economic failures.
1: Well, it does more than let them off the hook. They know they're in for a bloodbath in this election coming up. They know that they're going to lose their ass on every freaking level to have the Senate, the House, the White House, and still produce a big old goose egg. It's like fertilizer for Trumpers. Everybody, I, I, I have a lot of friends, good friends, Price, friends we've had together in different ways who were very staunch that we just got to remove Trump at all costs, whatever it takes. Let's vote for Biden. Okay. I, I'm not here to judge, but I'm here to say I said back then and I'll say it now the thing that makes Trumpers is not Trump. Trump is the basket that catches them. Okay. What makes Trump Trump and what creates these neo-fascists is a feckless neoliberal democratic party that pretends like it's for the working class while simultaneously doing absolutely nothing for the working class. And that lie right there is defended by every vote blue across the country. It's defended by every sycophant within the party. And it's defended by many, many people who have just always voted blue, no matter who. And they can't imagine anything else. This is not to say that on paper, Biden is not a less threatening candidate than Trump, because Trump was a madman in his own right. But what it is saying is this, sometimes the solution to your problem is not to embrace something that is going to create more of the same problem and expand it and make it even worse. We, I can't imagine we have the, the courts are stacked with Republicans and not Republicans, but freaking fascists. I mean, we're talking society. about <laughs> horrible, horrible. The court is horrible. Biden had a chance to fill the courts. He did not do that. Chose not to do that. Okay. He, meaning he's saying, Hey, It's cool. We'll go with, we're good with this. I'm good with this. And so by not stacking the courts, we've got a literal right-wing majority that is tearing down things that people care about, like, you know, Roe v. Wade and other such things, right? Very first time I ever genuinely thought Roe v. Wade would be dismantled is now. And with that in mind, imagine losing the white house, which uh, I don't know what losing the white house means. I could see Trump coming right back in and being president again after being impeached twice. I could see him getting right back in there. And I could but also the, see the, the election. Democrats. Were, if
0: the election were held today, I, I think without question, Trump would win.
1: Exactly. You look at the Senate could easily immediately go back to Republicans without any effort whatsoever. And you look over at the house, The House has been so unbelievably useless during this Biden administration. So incredibly useless that, I mean, like ineffectual, unwilling to go the extra mile, falling in line, literally like like it's their job, like those feigning goats. They're just falling in line. I can't imagine what that sales pitch is going to look like. And so this whole idea of fighting for voters' rights, and you nailed it, it's an incredibly important topic, but we don't even, do we even, okay, so you get to vote. Do we even have a functioning democracy? Is there really a meaningful way of voting your way through this? So there's two things here. Number one, they're playing into this whole idea that of course the best thing to make democracy better is to have more democracy, agreed. The way they're going about it is very self-serving, number one, and it's very distractionary, number two. So I don't believe in any way, shape or form that this is really about helping black and brown people get to the voting booth. I really do believe this is about giving cover for fecklessness, like you said, but also because they know that if they don't overcome any of those Republican uh, gerrymandering games, that the bloodbath they're going to experience in this next election is going to be even worse than what it right. is going to be. I mean well, so that's where it's Well the at.
0: the reality the reality is this. So to be clear, if, if you're a black person watching, a uh, brown person watching, you know, historically uh my, you know oppressed people, a real opposition party can do both. Okay? They could do both. Yes. They could get uh reform on the books to reverse All the terrible things Republicans are doing, Biden could do it and the Democrats could do it just by changing the filibuster. So there there are mechanisms in place now that they could do to uh, fight for voting rights, change the federal laws, uniformity, federally, uh, restrengthening the Voting Rights Act that the Supreme Court gutted. Uh, They could do it today if they wanted to, while also fighting for build back better and actual substantive policies. And you want to know something? They would need the donors if they did that because they would win in landslide elections. That's the crazy part of all of it. If they just did what is popular, what polls incredibly well, we go all the way back to Obama. And this is why I brought up uh, Democrats are, you know, punting Build Back Better to go to voting rights because the fundraising emails are coming, Steve. And what are they going to say? This is the most important election of our lifetime, which is what I heard in 2004 when I first started paying attention to politics. Kerry first Bush, this is the most important election of our lifetime. I heard in 2008, this is the most important election of our lifetime uh, to get rid of the Bush error and bring in, you know, know, Jesus Obama. Uh, And what did Jesus Obama give? A Republican healthcare plan, uh, doubling down on war and droning, um, neoliberalism and, you know, uh, servitude to the banks. Not one banker goes to jail for the biggest global financial corruption crash Ever. Uh, then you That's have 2016, uh, 2012, most important election of our lifetime, we can't allow Gordon Gecko to get elected. 2016, <laughs> most important election of our lifetime, we can't allow, uh, you know, uh, Orange Mussolini. 2020, most important election of our lifetime, get rid of Orange Mussolini. 20 I'm telling you, folks, if you get DNC, DCCC, any of these politicians' fundraisers, w- frame it frame uh frame it uh uh screenshot it when it comes and and i said it now it will say this is the most important election of our lifetime again it's not to minimize the importance of voting rights but it has become a continual uh marketing campaign and branding exercise to gin up uh these elections when in reality democrats are getting elected several of these elections and they're not actually structurally changing anything so at the end of the day, you know, I got grief for voting for Biden. I didn't. I didn't tell anyone. You know, people were like, "Oh, you told your audience to vote for Biden." No, I actually said, "Do whatever <laughs> you want." Here's what I'm doing, and I gave my reasons. Uh, do I regret it? No, I don't regret it because honestly, uh, I I don't tend to vote for lesser of two evils. But I think if Trump were president right now, I think the terrible COVID situation would even be actually worse if that's possible. Uh, I also think <laughs> a lot of possible. other things. I I think a lot of other things might be worse. With that said, yeah. though. With that said, um, I also think that we're headed for a bit of a Reagan revolution times two because you said it best, the reason that fascist and authoritarianism rise is when you don't have an alternative, when you don't have a real opposition party, when you don't have a populist alternative. So if people have a menu and it, you, know, you get the real thing or the diet version, I don't know. We live in an obese country. Most people get the real thing. So if most people get, you know, strongman authoritarianism with sprinkles of phony populism in there versus uh, a party running on woke stuff and, you know, um, we're, you know, we're mild, we're, they're terrible. We're mildly less, but don't have, don't have any actual points on the board, like real points on the board, you know, Medicare for all, that would be a real point on the board. You don't need branding. You just say, Hey, we passed Medicare for all you'd win. Uh, you know, if you raise the minimum wage, like actual points on the board, they don't have that. They have sh- shots in the arms, a $1,400 check. And that's about it.
1: Why do you think that is Jordan? I mean, think about this for a minute. Why, it, why would they not go for the most popular things? Why would they not go for the things that would absolutely invigorate
0: their base? Why would they not do it? Uh, if you're looking right behind me, we live in the United Corporations of America. No, I'm not even being funny. We live in the United Corporations of America, and we have a bunch of older dinosaurs in office that have come up in a system on a local level, uh, on the state level. Uh, maybe some of them were mayors. Uh, some of them were governors. Now they're senators, congresspeople. And in the system they've come in, it is a system of legalized bribery, Steve. So they they don't know any, it. It really is. A, I mean, they're also, to me, in many ways, immoral for for being part of this system. But they don't know any better, and they have been basically conditioned through our corrupt system to think, "Oh well, you know, this is this is the only way. This is the only way." Uh, is you know, kind of catering to big business, catering to the donors. You know, uh, I could clean my conscience and look in the mirror if I get some smaller things done for my constituents. But the only way I could be competitive is if I raise, you know, on a local level at this point, a couple million bucks, Senate congressional race, hundreds of millions of dollars, presidential billions of dollars. Uh, When Bernie just gave me the playbook, did he lose? Yes, but he was the first actual progressive candidate in my lifetime that ran a credible competitive campaign definitely in 2016, less so in 2020 without taking that money. So it is possible, yep. but they do it because honestly, th- getting into Washington, uh, they they take your conscience and they condition you to basically think legalized bribery is, is a just system. Yep, corruption at an all-time high.
1: I, I, I take it a little step further than that. And in this particular case, for example, what I'm saying to you is this, when AOC walks through the door, now, I'm just using her as an example. There's a bunch of them we can point at, but when you looked at her, she was started out standing on Pelosi's desk. She was brought to heel because they basically said, we don't do that in polite society. Polite society, we don't do those sorts of things. Polite society, we curtsy, we do other things. We don't, we don't stand on desks. We aren't activists. We're we're the lords of the US. And now all of a sudden, since then, that's kind of what you've gotten out of all of them. You haven't seen, when's the last time you saw Rashida Talib say, fuck Trump? When's the last time you saw any of them do that? Now, that's not to say that that's like the winning ticket theatrics. I'm saying, though, that that whole mindset has become, I am now part of this elite apparatus and I've got to play, rule, play by the rules of this thing. And believe me, I live it in my daily life. If you speak like an activist, if you're angry, if you're enraged, if you, if you fight back, if you're not docile and say, oh, okay, let's do this, then you will be an outcast. You'll be an outcast. You absolutely 100% will be punted and kicked to the curb and brought up for somebody else who will go, yes, sir, how are you, sir? Please, sir. And so I think that there's a lot of in-crowd, out-crowd stuff that goes on in our political system. But I also think at the end of the day, they're there to protect capital. I think they get up there and they start getting educated on what their real role is. Because think about it. If everybody that runs the government, you you walk into government, you don't know how to do your job. You've never done that job before. There's no such thing as knowing how to be a congressman or a senator. You get in there, you're elected to it. And all of a sudden, you've got to be shown the ropes. Who's showing you the ropes? Somebody else that's done it for a long time and probably one of the people that's on the take. And so this whole process, I I just don't see a way through this
0: without being very, very disruptive. I don't. I don't see a way
1: to do it without being disruptive, Jordan.
0: Uh, I want to touch two more topics a little quicker. uh, And good to have you on for this. Colin, if you have the tweet. Um, this is from yesterday, actually just in 4.5 million Americans quit their jobs in November, a new record, the quit rate of 3% tied September's all time high about 43 million people quit jobs from January to November, 2021 millions more than anything ever seen before the great resignation shows no signs of slowing. And, uh, if you look at that chart there, I mean, you could see as the year went on, um what is that yeah uh, is that as total U.S um yeah, yeah. it c- continued rapidly going up by month um we've talked about this before but what do you ascribe uh, all of a sudden millions of people who in previous days maybe didn't have as many choices uh are saying enough of this enough of low-wage work enough of exploitation, enough of my benefits being cut, enough of me having to work two to three jobs, enough of workers or employers demanding I come in while COVID positive, which we're seeing more of Uh, what is giving workers the leverage and what are some things people might not be thinking about in terms of the great resignation.
1: I I think there's some some other stuff going on there right the rise of crypto has allowed regular jane and joe six-pack to be able to become wall street traders on their own right and i think people are you know there's winners and losers and there's a lot of ups and downs in this but i think people have begun doing various things to try to make themselves check out of the system I think part of it is obviously the low wages and they're not really changing that. They're still crying poor mouth. But I think the other part of it, and this is really this is really important. Congress, the powers that be disciplines labor when labor starts having freedom. When labor starts doing this stuff, they start talking about inflation. They start talking about the debt. They start talking about, we can't afford to do that. They start doing things that peel back and bring austerity in that force those people to deplete their assets, to deplete their savings, to bring them back into the fold. And so while you're seeing this mass resignation occur, you're also simultaneously watching the implosion of a spending bill That would have probably made the economy at least have enough money in it flows in the economy to at least keep it from bottoming out without that kind of spending. I mean, voting is not a spending bill. Okay, the Voting Act is not a spending bill. So that means new money creation to spend out into the society isn't going to happen through that. So with Build Back Better, which was a shitty bill to begin with, but at least it was inserting some money into the economy where it was needed since it's all pooling at the top. And this was spent at the top, so it wouldn't really help us out much anyway. But it would help out some. Some of it would eke through the cracks. The whole trickle-down theory, we're not even getting that trickle-down here, you know? So <laughs> it's it's a real tough one, Jordan, but the fact of the matter is, is that the great resignation – I think is going to be followed by the great austerity to force them back into the system because that's what this is. It's all about disciplining uh. labor, disciplining society and making it a challenge to live
0: without buying back in. So be, I'm, watch I'm, for am I'm, I'm stealing the great austerity. I think that's very good in a really dystopian, yeah. terrible way. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. And you want to know something, I think they'll do it in a variety of ways, increase interest rates, um yep. i think they'll do it in other ways you know continued inflation i.e price gouging um yep. they're gonna do it in a bunch of ways once this omicron and covid surge goes down so that uh it is a less what do they say uh, elastic uh economy oh yes or yeah.
1: yeah if you go back to 2009 i lost a 17-year career at verizon I didn't think I'd had a problem in the world. I just got my second master's degree. Folks, I'm an educated dude. I really went through all the process that they tell you to do, right? It took me 18 months to be able to get back on my feet and find a job. And that job that I got was at one third of the pay 18 months later. One third of the pay. Now, if you don't think they can make your life a living hell, I don't know if you remember, people were driving four hours away to go work at Walmart, just to work at Walmart, four-hour drive to get work. One-third of the pay, that's not an accident. This is the disciplining of society to make you heal. And you're not slaves, you're not on the plantation, you're not in chains, but you are in invisible chains. And these invisible chains are called debt. And they make the society so difficult to survive. And they're willing to because they can survive anything. They've got real wealth. They've got real assets. And they've got the ability to sit there and go, you'll do what I say. You will do what I say. You don't have any say-so in it. You will do what I say. Or you won't eat. And that's what's happened. I'm telling you, that that's coming. That's coming. We, We experienced it in 08 and 09, and it kept going. I think we're headed right back to it. Corruption hasn't ended and we're still watching the austerity hounds chuckle around and and be on every talk show. And the rest of our population, unfortunately, isn't probably listening to this. Not enough anyway. And so because of that, they're out there listening to these talking heads that are telling them it's all impossible. And while people check out, watch how quickly they have to check back in.
0: Right. Uh, Last topic. I wanted to talk about COVID, um, uh, Omicron. Honestly, to me, it's just exhausting. I mean, just putting out my beliefs based on research and science and data. So many people, even people who I previously liked, respected, have become so tribal and radicalized on this topic. um, And just for whatever reason are married to vaccine skepticism or full-on anti-vaxxer or big pharma bad me you know big pharma is evil so that you know that means the vaccine can't be trusted all these things I, i've kind of realized that all you could really do is put out the the right information and if people aren't going to believe it then what what can what can we do uh so i'm not really you know gonna get into it with anti-vaxxers and that kind of thing. I mean, it is what it is. I think that the, the the data clearly shows that this vaccine has been saving lives. Uh, and this is not just coming from me. Uh, it's coming from a lot you know, a lot of uh, people on the left, uh, including Chris Hedges, who obviously I'm not citing a medical expert, but I think he made an important point uh, the other day. Uh, let's play that clip, Colin.
2: I don't think we're going to stop the pandemic and the mutations until everyone gets vaccinated. I mean, I think most uh, epidemiologists and uh, world health officials, uh, this is part of the whole battle with Moderna that uh, by not uh, sharing the patent with countries right. like South Africa, uh, which have said, just give us the formula, we'll make it ourselves, but they won't do it because it's all about money. Uh, And and the problem with that is that then we're just going to get if everybody is not able to get vaccinated and doesn't have access to vaccine, uh, then we will just get mutation after mutation after mutation. And this thing isn't going to go away. Uh, So uh, I actually share some of the concerns with anti-vaxxers. I don't trust Moderna or Pfizer or any of these companies myself. I got vaccinated and my kids are vaccinated. Uh, because uh, the consequences of allowing this pandemic to just roll forward. Uh, And and let's not just talk about the health consequences, which of course are catastrophic, but the political, the social, the economic uh, consequences are very dire.
0: So uh, I pointed out Chris Hedges, because he's somebody that, broadly speaking, people respect on the left, including anti-vaxxers. Denialists, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just say again, I'm just, I mean, just even tweeting anything pro vaccine or anything, you just get hammered by anti-vaxxers, but, and whatever, I'm not calling these people bad people. You know, I'm not saying let's force a shot. If you don't want to take it, don't take it. But what I am saying is I I think there's some, and I should have started by the way, yesterday uh, was a million cases. So that's a record in America. Uh, I think, Frankly, there's no way of even knowing how many cases because people who are getting the tests, the the rapid tests and taking them at home, there's no reporting system for that. So we could say a million cases, who the hell knows? Uh, I'm getting messages from ER nurses, ICU uh, nurses, hospital workers. I have some interviews lined up saying that the healthcare system is collapsing. So all this talk of like it's mild, it is by all accounts milder than other strains. And that's Thank God for that, right? Uh, Is it milder because more people are vaccinated? Is it milder because it's milder? It might be milder just because it's milder, but also because a lot of more people are vaccinated, so they're not being hospitalized or dying. So I'm not gonna pretend to be a medical expert, but what I will say, there's two points that I keep seeing put out there that are just wrong. Number one, this is a willy-nilly vaccine that has not had trials, has not had studies. The mRNA vaccine and the methodology methodology behind mRNA has literally been studied and trialed for decades. So the foundation of the vaccine, and you could look this up, you know, if you think if you think I'm making this up or you think it's like the CIA, I mean the mRNA, which is the foundation for these vaccines, uh, has been on study and trial for a long time. Um, secondly, you know, to me, I'm not discounting big pharma is awful. It is awful, but the, the reality is life-saving medicine across the board in the United corporations of America is manufactured by big pharma. So yeah. this, this notion that we can't take it cause it's big pharma and they're just trying to profit. Yeah. It's a gross system. Steve and I have been addressing that for an hour. It is a gross system that Moderna and Pfizer, who, by the way, the government funded their research for these vaccines. Yep. So if Biden had some balls, he would, through executive action, uh, through you know whatever judicial action the Justice Department would have to take, is force them to share the formula. Because this notion that these countries don't want the vaccine, that's not true. Uh, but I wanted yep. to ask you, Steve, I mean, we're not epidemiologists. I, I had one on the other day, which people didn't like. But- Frankly, this, uh, and I'll read from the New York Times here just to kind of drill in, this strand, Omicron, is certainly less deadly. You could call it more mild, although, you know, the jury's out in terms of how many people who get this strand or other strands are going to get long COVID. Uh, less hospitalizations, somebody infected infected with Omicron is less likely to need hospital treatment than somebody infected with an earlier version of COVID. An analysis of patients in Houston, for example, found that Omicron patients were only about one third as likely to need hospitalization as Delta patients. In Britain, people with Omicron were about half as likely to require hospital care, the government reported. The pattern looks similar in Canada. Uh, Emily and Azine note, Um, then you look at milder hospitalization. So Omicron is not just less likely to send somebody to the hospital, even among people who need hospital care systems are milder on average than, uh, among people who were hospitalized in previous waves. So these are all great things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to over-dramatize Omicron. With that said, if you have milder strains, Steve, that are infecting twofold, threefold of people, you're going to have an overwhelming of hospitals. Uh, You're gonna have an overwhelming of other sectors too. And I'm talking to nurses who are saying people are quitting in droves. They can't even get people to apply to the jobs now in these hospitals because they're seeing like, why would, you know, nurses of 20 years are quitting, nurses who have a lot of experience are not applying. So I think the actual uh, strand could be milder but the effects could still be pretty significant
1: yeah well you think about it the new york times which i know people have a problem with uh but they reported out that there's a twindemic coming up now where you've got the flu that is out of control as well on the side of you know this this new omicron and delta on the heels of delta as well and so you think about it we go back to mansion discussion about you know real resources And the people that are in there are burned out and quitting and they can't get people to apply because my God, what if they get the COVID bug and die or whatever? I mean, it's just the fatigue of dealing with people who are literally non-compliant as well. I mean, there's so much fatigue that goes into this, but the fact of the matter is, is that when you hear Chris Hedges and Chris Hedges is a darling of all the lead Ivermectin friends, all the leading Uh, people that, you know, are anti-lockdowns, anti-this, anti-that, Chris Hedges is sitting there telling you, point blank, not only has he got his kids vaccinated, but that this is the only way to stop all these variations. Now, I'm going to take it a step further. The MMT community has been just boldly speaking about the need to have nationalized payroll To be able to keep people at home, not make them lose their jobs, not make them lose their money. Keep hell, money is not the issue. Keep the businesses up. If if the issue is you want to destroy capital through the pandemic, that's the wrong time to be attacking capital. The idea is to keep people alive, right? And let's let's make sure that we don't bottom up. But if the goal here is to burn it down and bottom out and make everybody suffer, well, damn it, this is a great way of doing that. And so, in my opinion, mind you, my opinion. When I hear Chris Hedges say that, I feel like I'm in good company. I feel like his version of the world, I'm skeptical of pharmaceutical. I'm skeptical of capitalism. I'm skeptical of the profit motive. I am absolutely outraged with the corruption, but I also know that I follow football and I follow hockey and I follow the things that these people are doing. And when they're still taking the medicine, when they're still concerned about the medicine, I say, hey, if Chris Hedges is saying it and I'm watching this happen, chances are the rich would not be shutting their worlds down if this was not the right thing to do. And quite frankly, I think that we need to start really thinking about how are we going to bring an end to this? Or is this just going to be live with it and let the great die off continue? And you're going to overwhelm the hospital system big time. And, and it'll become unsustained and it will collapse. Our healthcare system will collapse just by sheer amounts of people coming with COVID and flu and other ailments or regular ailments that happen with humanity.
0: And three points, by the way, to the people who say, well, we need more hospital beds. Yeah, you could say that, but like we are where we are right now. So like the, maybe we should address, you know, reduced capacity in hospitals, reduce hospital beds. That's a valid argument, but you know, we are where we are right today. So the answer yeah. is that let's get more hospital beds and just let this thing rip. Number two, um, you know, important, an important thing, just getting the whole world vaccinated does not mean there would not be uh, mutations. Uh, you know, I, I spoke with an epidemiologist the other day, but there are less receptors for those mutations because if you are vaccinated, doesn't mean you can't get it. Obviously we're seeing vaccinated people are getting it, but you are at less, less chance of getting it. And again, it could become more endemic that even if people get it, it really is no different, you know, for the majority of people than kind of a cold where you might even be able to work through it, right? So that's number one, vaccinating the whole world would give less of a bullseye for different mutations. And the second thing is, I'm not an expert, you're not an expert, but this strand is more mild how do we know what the next strand will be the next variant will be so i think people you know everybody is exhausted with this everybody wants to be done with this i think people have really just become fatalists like you know if 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 i get sick i get sick if i die i die like i've i've got you know and i understand that mentality but for the long term if we if we don't force biden the politicians to basically just Take over these pharmaceutical companies if need be, and share this formula because the fact the, the the factories, the manufacturing capacity is there in these other countries. They're just waiting for the formula to start pumping out these vaccines. If we don't do that, uh, we're going to be talking about COVID and you know uh, whatever the new you know we're going to have to create a new Greek alphabet because we're going to have so many strands. We're going to be talking about this for five to ten years. And I don't want a lockdown. I don't think Steve wants a lockdown. First of all, I hear these people talking about a lockdown. I don't know what country you're living in. There was never a national lockdown in America. I mean, I was living in New York City. I was living in New York City during the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, I was watching ambulances literally every five minutes up and down First Avenue. People were taking walks. Central Park was still, people were there. People were on the, this is during the stay at home orders. People were on the subway, people were on buses. So I, like, when I hear people say the lockdown left, I, I, I don't know what lockdown or what country you were living in. Like <laughs> Italy, had an, Italy had an actual lockdown. Uh, other countries yeah. had real lockdowns where you could not leave your apartment, your home, other than I think groceries and things like that. But they had a specific like line for when you could go. Like those countries had lockdowns. I'm not advocating for a lockdown, but I think it makes sense based on the fact that we print money for war, we print money for all things. Like you said, nationalize the payrolls. Pay people to stay home for a short period of time so that we could reduce the spread. Take that would take the strain off of hospitals. We haven't even gotten into the fact uh, we don't have data on how many non-COVID procedures and medical needs, heart patients, stroke patients, uh, elective surgeries that are 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 needed are being delayed because of. Right. Hospitals, And that's only going to get worse. So you could say, yeah, Omicron is more mild in terms of death, hospitalization, but the effects on our healthcare system, on people who need other care, on other services, because I'm seeing on Reddit and elsewhere, sick workers posting, yeah, my, my boss told me to come in anyway. If you're not like throwing up or dying, come in, which is going to yeah. continue the spread. And again, I think the jury's out. You know, people want to talk about the vaccine skeptics want to talk about. There's not enough uh, data, or there's not enough research. Well, there's also not enough data on the long-term effects of coronavirus. Uh, anywhere between 10 to 25 percent of people have what they call long COVID. We haven't even gotten into Steve. Pediatric, uh, uh, pediatric hospitals are filling up. We don't know the long-term effects on children. Well, the naysayers say, well, Jordan, they were in there for another reason and just got, just happened to get COVID. I'm sure there's a certain percentage of them that were there for different reasons, but there's still a lot of people being admitted children for COVID. So we could go into this uh, more at another time, but I just think when I hear the term mild, I think people need to look at, okay, it might be mild in terms of the individual who's getting it and thank God for that. Uh, But it, certainly not mild for our healthcare system, hus- uh, nurses, exactly. doctors, and other sectors that are being indirectly or directly affected.
1: You, you said it. You said it. That's exactly it. it. It just because And this is that libertarian me, me, me mind, okay? Hey, it all, this is all I see right here. I don't see the rest of the picture. and And because of that almost juvenile mindedness of me, 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 the system will collapse it will if we don't find a way around that and i i I hate to say this but you see the trumper experience is is i mean they're sprinkling steroids on it they're sprinkling fertilizer on it and it's only going to get worse man fascism is alive and well in america and uh It's not a Democrat or Republican thing. I want to be crystal clear on that. It is quite frankly, a desperation thing, a thing where people have seen government fail for so long and they don't see any hope for a better tomorrow. And this is what happens when you play neoliberal games. That's why I feel like Biden was not necessarily the lesser of two evils. Not that I was voting for Trump. I was never going to vote for Trump. That's not the point. The point is, is that this whole neoliberal experiment is what gives people the false positive that we've got the right guy in there. It's okay. Don't question him. But you see that the people are not just taking that. They are questioning, and they are going to be coming to the polls, and they're going to blow out this feckless Democratic Party that had every everything at their hands. They could have done so much. They could have been heroes, and they chose not to be.
0: Thank you on that hopeful note that fascism is alive and well. Uh, Where could people find uh, Real Progressives and your work?
1: So please see our website, realprogressives.org. You can find I've started a new show called The Rogue Scholar. I'll be doing that at noon, typically Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, I am also uh, the host of the podcast Macro and Cheese. Folks, it's an audio podcast. It's that way on purpose because you don't need to sit there and stare at my face the whole time. The 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 information is fantastic. Please check out uh, Macro and Cheese. You can find it on any podcast hosting platform. Uh, it's Macro, the letter N, Cheese. Or you can just go to our website and hit the drop down. And please come to our YouTube channel. Real Progress in Action is where I do most of my broadcasting from. Um, and hope to see you around. And thanks for having me on, Jordan
0: yep and uh steve and i were talking offline status quo is going to be doing a little bit more um you know having co-hosts so it's not just myself uh kind of mixing in people here and there so we'll probably be seeing steve's uh wonderful beard a little bit more uh coming up so thank you steve uh for coming on we'll talk in a bit you got it man thanks buddy so that was Steve Grumbine of The Real Progressive's fame. Uh, thank I appreciate him coming on. Uh, before we go, I wanna remind people, uh, Status Quo, you know, we're, we're gonna be trying some different things here and there. So you might see us record things like this right now is recorded. Uh, but if you notice, we added in a little bit more production value in terms of images and kind of bells and whistles uh, and you know, air those recorded videos live uh, later in the day. Uh, We might have more co-hosts coming on. We're trying to change things up, uh, you know, kind of experiment because obviously on YouTube, it's become incredibly bad as far as the uh, suppression that YouTube is doing uh, towards us uh, in terms of visibility and those kind of things. So definitely, definitely, uh, you know, let us know if you're liking uh, some of the changes you see. Uh, Also. A reminder, we are, as far as I know, one of the only outlets that are all across the country on the ground doing important reporting. So if you can, consider signing up as a Status Coup member for $5 a month. That's statuscoup.com slash join. As a member, you get access to our monthly members call, which we do through Zoom. Some other behind-the-scenes perks, like behind-the-scenes videos, this and that. Uh, we're going to be thinking about other things we could offer our, our, our members as well. So that's statuscoup.com slash us join five dollars a month comes down to 16 cents a day we really need to grow our membership frankly if we want to continue doing the on the ground reporting uh and hopefully be able to bring on more people because I'm being honest with you uh uh it's becoming a little too much all uh, most of this being on my plate uh the reporting the live streaming a lot of the production uh publishing videos a lot of the behind the scenes business stuff uh, I need help. So if you like the content, if you like our on the ground reporting, uh, sign up statuscoup.com join. Uh, thank you. So thank you so much uh, for watching and we'll see you tomorrow.